Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to Call It What You Want. I'm Jimmy Conrad, a walk-on from UCLA, alongside your favorite Princeton alumni, Jesse Marsh, and Boston College Hall of Famer, Charlie Davies. And what a show that we have for you, like always, because Jesse's going to give us his starting 11 for this upcoming U.S. Men's National Team game versus Slovenia on Saturday, January 20th. We're talking Americans abroad, of course, transfer news for our American player pool and offering up some predictions. But first, boys, we know that the beautiful game is known by many names around the world. Football, calcio, soccer, fuchi ball. So as we do, to start off every show, we're going to play a little game. To call it what you want, word of the day. And that word is chuku. What language? Chuku. <laughs> country? Chuku. Chuku. Which chuku. is now Chuck's new nickname. Wait, chuku is it Chuku or Chuku? <laughs> I'd have to listen to it again. Use it in a sure. statement, please. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I cannot. Yes, this you is can't like give me a sentence? national spelling bee could you use it in yes. a sentence please sure sure the the beautiful game in this country is known by chuku <laughs> ah. all right i'm def it's definitely chuku. it's definitely chuku. a country on the african continent facts i'm with you on that 100 percent. all right now i'm gonna okay. get a little bit closer i can i'm uh, yes I, I can feel it okay chuku <laughs> chuku. Chuku. chuku chuku okay first, chuku. charlie okay chuku I'm going to go with um, Guinea. Guinea. That is Is that Equatorial Guinea or? I could have gone Guinea-Bissau, but that's a Portuguese. So I didn't think that is going to be the case. I went Guinea, but uh, Uganda Eh. would have been my other choice. (laughs) Eh. Okay. That's what I was going to go with Ghana. I'm going to go Ghana. Ghana. Nope. Nope. Eh. Okay. Okay. One of the clues. This national team. Made it to the round of 16 in the last Men's World Cup, eventually losing 4-1 to one to Brazil. Senegal. Eh. 
They, they, Chuck? Uh, yes. Don't look it up. Nope, I'm not. <laughs> My hands up. are here. I'm not hands looking up. it up. Hands up. Hands up. Uh, I, I, no typing. The, the crazy thing is I watched this. 20. South Korea. Oh my! He did it. No, Chuck, he got it. No. Yeah. No. Yes. I, oh, that's good, Charlie. What? That's good. Completely wrong continent, Props. by the way. Completely always, wrong. Always absolutely wrong. And then I absolutely Props. rocked it. Oh my god! Shout out to Botswana because one day we will have Botswana I as one do. of these just to throw everybody off. Shout out to Uganda. <laughs> shout out to Botswana and Guinea. <laughs> okay, South uh, Korea. South so, Korea yeah, actually well, just played it's... Bahrain in the Asian Cup. They Go won ahead. today, three one, right? Three one. That's right. The, I think Asian you pronounced Cup. it here's wrong. Here's a fun though, fact, Jimmy. everybody. You pronounce what? it wrong. It's actually Chuku. You know, so if you would have said that, it would have been then I think <laughs> you would have gotten it. That's yeah. you would have had it if I would have said it better. <laughs> All right, that's on me then. Okay, well, as a fun fact, everybody, watch every game of the 2024 AFC Asian Cup exclusively on Paramount Plus and the Golasso Network. That's happening now until February 10th. And uh, that's the first game of the tournament for South Korea. Big 3-1 win over Bahrain. And we'll see how far they can go under Jurgen Klinsmann, former U.S. Men's National Team manager Jurgen Klinsmann, now in charge of South Korea. Now, let's get into the U.S. Men's National Team. Nice little segue here. They're taking on Slovenia, as I mentioned, January 20th, this Saturday. We'll have an emergency podcast, reaction podcast after that one. So make sure you're subscribed so that you can get all that right when it happens. A couple news items before we get into Jesse Marsh's starting 11 for this one. Cade Cal leaves January camp early. Mm. Apparently, he's heading down to Chivas to play for Chivas Guadalajara, which would be some pretty big news. And then we have Jackson Reagan, Seattle Sounders center back departs due to a knee injury. We know that Charlie Davies in particular, very upset about that. He's a big Jackson Reagan fan. So, so Jesse, let's get into your starting 11 for this game. Are you going youngsters? Are you going with some veterans? What's, you got a mix? What are you saying? Let's start from the back to the front. Let's do that. Let's go. We'll go line by line, and then we can discuss uh, what you guys think and feel. Okay. okay. I tried okay. to go with a little mix, but I try. I'll, I'll start in goal with uh, Silentano. Yeah. So I, I think that he's had a great year in MLS, and I think he's earned a shot to to start in this match. Um, and, and that's interesting because even going into January camp, uh, the two years that I was involved with the national team as a as an assistant coach. We always kind of started the week and said, all right, here is kind of our vision for what we think the starting 11 will be. And then we would have discussions as the couple weeks would go on, three weeks sometimes, to see if players were changing our mind and if anyone was entering into the into the mix. So, But I think Silentano, for me, has pretty clearly established himself amongst this group as, as the best goalkeeper. Interesting. Chuck, what are we saying? Jesse, I agree with you. Yeah, Jake, Jake Callender? I- I, I agree with Patrick Schulte from Columbus crew. No, I agree. No, I, I agree with Jesse. He's, he's been in before uh, coming off a, I think he had a shaky start to the year, to be honest. I think the pr- prior January camp probably didn't go uh, as well as he would have liked. And then I think following, you know, the next couple of months, it, it, he made a quite a bit of mistakes and then, and then towards the end of the season, he started to get into a, a rhythm and in form and not making the, um, you know, giving up a rebound or the simple mistake. Okay. So I, I agree with that. Okay, good, good solid good pick. pick, Jesse. 
Jesse, back line. What, actually, we should say what formation are you playing in? Is it is it well, I mean, four three playing, three? I mean, are you tinkering really, at all? I mean, we know what Berhalter is going to play. Is there really a discussion? I, I guess he could play four two three one. No, right? no, there isn't. But I, but, but I guess I guess in some ways I'd almost want to know how you'd want to play. But I guess that's, yeah, that's uh, different. That's a different discussion. <laughs> I heard. I heard. <laughs> I heard I heard they're playing a three five two. No. From now on. Really? Maybe they've been listening. But oh what are we we we've already been like, a, a, a five two one two, right? Or three five two. So yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Um so I'm going then the back four. And and back with the four. back four, what I thought is you know, whenever you have these camps and it's a new team, the best chance to give the team a, a, a bit of success is to provide them with a stable foundation as a back line. So okay. that's what I did. I went with the guys that have kind of been a part of this. So you have Shaq Moore, James Sands, Miles Robinson, and John Tolkien in the back. All right. That's pretty solid. I don't know if I would deviate too much from that, Chuck. I, I Is there room for Jones? Wait, so the two center, the two center James backs? James Sands or? and Miles Robinson. And I think if I remember correctly, they played together mm. in the was it the Gold Cup? Yeah, they did. They played yeah. together in the Gold Cup. That's, That's what right. I thought. That's what I so, thought. So so uh, uh Dewan Jones, I would maybe put him over Shaq Moore. I, I I think ultimately Shaq Moore's time. I was a bit surprised he even got called in. So I'd rather see a little bit more Dewan Jones. Um but maybe maybe I don't yeah, know. I, I'm 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 with you on Dewan. Dewan Jones is has proven to me that he is far superior to Shaq Moore in terms of defending uh, athleticism, getting up and down the the engine to do that in the first place. And I think his final ball is much, much more uh, refined in that respect. Um, but it's also, you know, I look at John Tolkien and, and he's done pretty well. Uh, Jesse, I know you're a big fan of, of what he's been able to do. And he's, he's young. He's still 20. He's only 21. feels like he's been around forever. But I'm I'm also I kind of want to see more of Caleb same, Wiley because I've seen we you know he's had so many bright bright moments and flashes, uh, whether that be with the the under twenty World Cup team or with Atlanta. So I, I it's probably going to come down to how they've done in training and how they've responded from you know the the instructions that they're they're being they've been given. So uh, for me, if it's Wiley, if it's Tolkien, I'm okay with it and and. I think Dewan Jones should get the start over. Yeah, over I, I would love to see see Tolkien play for sure, but but Caleb Wiley is interesting, and obviously he's Olympic eligible as well. So, kind of curious to see how these Olympic aged or eligible players will be brought into the mix or whether they start. So Jesse, given that we only have one game in this January transfer window or January transfer window, January camp, uh, camp cupcake as everybody loves to call it. Usually there used to be two, right? You'd have one that that was similar to the Slovenia game, and then maybe you'd have a Mexico game at the end of it where you could call your European-based players to come back and play. Knowing that we only have one, how would you rotate the players? You know, you're, you're around them for, what, 10 days, and then we have a chance to build up to a game. Do you just make some, you know, wholesale changes at halftime? Or, or before you get into your midfielders, I'm kind of curious as to how you would approach it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, first, when you now look at the squad – there's a lot of options in the back and not as many in the midfield and up front. So, and usually those are the players that you would rotate are the players up front. And we'll talk about that more as we go on. But, you know, when we have these kind of discussions, Wiley over token Jones or more, and as a staff, you'd be talking about, okay, 
where are we? What are what are the what are the what are the reasons to support one player over another? How have they performed over the camp? What did they? How much did they earn coming here based on their performances with their club team? All these things would be evaluated and kind of put in there. And if it's really close, then yeah, what you would probably say in those situations is, all right, let's make a change at half, right? And so you don't you almost already have players, maybe two, three players that you would have earmarked as, okay, those are the changes we're making at half. And then there would be a little bit of evaluating the match and seeing what's happening, you know, and then typically you'd have a, you'd have a quick discussion out on the pitch, maybe around the 44th minute, whereas the head coach I'd go over and say, Hey, what do you think? You know, he's played really well. Should we leave him into the 60th? Maybe we look at him for 90. What do you think about that player? And then as we'd go in, we'd have one more recap, maybe with the the couple of staff that are upstairs to say, all right, we're thinking this. Anyone have any other thoughts? How do we put this all together? And then you make changes that you want to make at half. So, you know, it, it's it's certainly evaluating the overall perspective for all the players and then looking at how did the week go and which players performed well and then which players performed well in the match. Yeah, it's interesting. Some, as we know, we've been around enough. There's a lot of good practice players who are awesome in training, but not so good in games. And so, the, and that's this is the opportunity, obviously, to 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 weed out uh, what types of players those are in particular. However, I do want to say there's a good chance there's a U23 camp in March, which is going to coincide with the Nations League finals. So some of these Olympic age players should get another chance to impress this spring. Uh, shout out to our crack research staff for that. Ivis, in particular, uh, let's get into your midfielders then, Jesse. So, so yeah. what are you rolling out? Who's our, who's our midfield three? Well, it's, what's interesting is when you, when I looked more carefully at the squad, Berhalter brought in a lot of sixes, right? A defensive midfielder types. And I think that he's doing this kind of evaluating what are potential options if Tyler Adams doesn't start to get himself healthy or, or how do we uh, supplement that position a little bit more given the question mark around Tyler Adams right now. Um, but I, I, I thought again, um, Looking at the different options, I think as attacking players, you have real two options in there, and that's Timothy Tillman and Azio uh, Jackson. And then I, I decided to play Aiden Morris behind them. So I think, you know, I watched Jackson live a couple times this year with St. Louis, and and I think he's an interesting player. He's, he's a two-way player. He's very active. Um, he doesn't add up to as many goals and assists as maybe he should. But in the match, I think he's very active. He has a lot of energy. He can cover ground. He's good against the ball. He's good with the ball. I think Tillman also is a, a player with a lot of potential. So those two make sense for me. And, and again, those are two players that I think you're evaluating during the match and going, okay, how's it going? How are they performing? Maybe we look at them for 60. Maybe one of them gets to push for 90 if he's performing really well and see how that goes. And then Aiden Morris, I think you can you can be thinking about which of the players off the bench you can bring at halftime and and start to think about looking at whoever of the remaining midfielders uh, are performing well in camp and give them a shot at halftime to see how they do. Chuck, what are your thoughts on midfield? Let's pretend Jesse isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I think he he's spot on about Timothy Tillman. Um, just the the end product. You know he's a quality player, you know, in terms of his technique and his movement, but maybe in terms of creating that that final pass in the, in the attacking third and and scoring has been lacking, which is why maybe he's not at a a Bayern Munich and he's at LAFC. It's just continuing to to work on that part of his game. I think that's where he needs to drastically improve. Whereas his younger brother Ma Malik Tillman has. Um, develop those qualities in front in front of goal. So um, I'd like to see 
what Timothy Tillman could do in, in this setup. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult for me because I, I want to see, you know, Diego Luna can play on the wing in the, in, in the fourth, in a four, three, three, but I'd like to see him in that 10 role. And, and he played as a withdrawn, withdrawn striker in the U20 world cup because they didn't really have a striker. So I I'm leaning towards playing Diego Luna as the 10 and then you could probably play a, a Timothy Tillman and either a Jack McGlynn or Aiden Morris. And you have to decide which one you'd rather have. I think Aiden Morris covers more ground, whereas Jack McGlynn's better uh, in terms of distribution and playing because he doesn't have the pace, but he's he's pretty smart in his decision-making of when to play and he can spray the ball any any part of the field. So I, I think those are probably the decisions you're making. And um, it, either way, you, you do have uh, so what do you, some good Are you not a there. Jackson fan then? He had a pretty solid season for St. Louis. Yeah, no, no, I am. I, I think that's a player that you bring off the bench. Got it. All right. And then Zawatsky from Columbus, Berhalter was talking him up as well prior to the camp and obviously coming in as a, as a champion in that sixth spot, somebody to keep an eye on, I think as well. All right, let's get to your front three then. I, I do want to have a Diego Luna conversation with you, Jesse, but uh, let's let tell us yeah. your front three first. Yeah. Diego Luna didn't make, didn't make the starting lineup. All right, um, well, that's why I have a bit of a, okay. a bit of an issue. All right. Good. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put Brian white uh, up top. Um, and I, and I think that as a striker, he'll, he'll provide a, a, a good stability up there. Hold up, hold up some balls be clever with the ball in combination. And then he'll be, you know, he'll show up in the box and I think he'll create a, a few chances for himself. Kamungo, uh, I, I played on the right. And then let me try to get this name right. Barak Terevich. I nailed it. Esmir Barak Terevich. Barak Terevich. Esmir. Yeah. So. By Barak Terevich. Okay. So, you know, I mean, he's young. He's 18. Uh, I think he had a good season for New England. With a couple of the players that have fallen out, obviously this is where you could argue Diego Luna in this position. Um, or I, I like the shout of him playing in the 10 or the 8 to 10 role. I think that that, that could be effective for him as well. Um, but I, I, I think when you're, again, looking at potential players that could, could eventually be top-level players that could eventually be mainstays on the national team, I think those, at least in the in the wing position with Berak Terevich and with Kamungo, you have two players that athletically and football wise and and have the potential to establish themselves at a higher level. So th- those are the reasons that I chose those two in those positions. What's interesting about uh, Berak Terevich? I say that right. Hopefully, I did because we'll probably be saying his name a lot. Almost by by Rak Terevich. The U.S. Men's National Team played a closed door friendly mm-hmm. against River Plate uh, this past Saturday. It was a two two draw. And Byrak Terevich and Josh Atencio both scored the goals in that game. And uh, interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. I like that add to that. But Diego Luna, I'm such a Diego Luna fan. I want to see him on the field and, and really have a, a legitimate chance. I know at times, especially in these types of games in the January camp, once you get to the 60th minute, it's hard to find the flow in general. Chuck, we talked about it in the last show that that as these players start to try to come together and, and learn how they how they move, in certain situations and decision-making that they make uh, it's, it's not always the most uh, aesthetically pleasing 90 minutes. So it could be hard for a sub to come on and, mm-hmm. and make that immediate impact though. I think the quality of Diego Luna is pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of the striker position, Duncan McGuire as the nine, I think that's a, a no start. brainer um, one mm-hmm. because yeah, start. Uh, it's like for me, not even a question. 
he's 22 versus Brian White being 27. And and Duncan McGuire has shown has shown so much potential. This is basically an Olympic camp per se, sprinkled in with some some veterans and experienced players. But you want to give those players who are going to be potentially playing in the Olympics every opportunity to play and excel and develop. And so for Duncan McGuire, I think that's easy number nine. I love Jesse's shout on uh, Kamungo. He he has lightning pace. Um, again, needs to refine his finishing in, in the final third, but he gets there. He's creative. He's quick. He had some great goals this year. I, I can't wait to see his development and hopefully he can take a, a big step in the, in this camp. Esmir Bayraktarovic is one of the most technically gifted players I've seen in a long time at, for his age at 18. He's in, he, he's not shy of, of any confidence, but because he lacks so much, much pace at this level and, and, and quickness, especially in his decision-making, I think that maybe a start might be a little too early for him. Stick at, or at this swim time. I think, Chuck. He's one of those Chuku, players. Chuku Davies. Yeah, you could say that, but at this time, at this time, I mean, you, you're going to play him given the only players that have you have left, unless you move Diego Luna there. But ultimately, um, it, it'll be a, it'll be a tough. Okay, task, now I know uh, this feels like a him. nice place for us to give our predictions for the game, but we're going to take our first break and call it what you want instead. So don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about American Abroad right after this. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back to Call What You Want. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Chuku Davies and Jesse Marsh. And I know that I said right before the break, American abroad, but we're actually going to talk about Americans. We're going to get into the plural here because there were some notable results. For our player pool across the pond, uh, Monaco, though, lost at home to Rance 3-1. Fulham Balligan played the whole second half in a defeat to his former club. He was a leading scorer of Rance last season. PSV, a big 3-1 win over Excelsior. Dest had a sick assist. Uh, Tillman started. I thought Tillman was excellent. Pepe subbed on after the player that starts in front of him, Luke de Jong, had a hat trick. So he got a little of that sloppy seconds time in that one. Rusha Gunching-Gladbach, excuse me, that was a tough one for me. 3-1 over Stuttgart. Joe Scally plays the full 90, and Jordy Pifok, everybody, scores in this one. He's now got four goals in his last three. Two of those came against Heidenheim Who? in the DFB Pokal, my favorite cup competition's name. Laharve, I don't know if I said that right, beat Leo. 3-1, another goal for Emmanuel Sabi, his Lahav. third in the league. Good for him, Lahav. And then in Serie B, Venezia, big 5-2 win over Sampdoria. Tessman plays the full 90. Busio scores in this one as they're now four points behind the top of the table to get into automatic promotion back to Serie A. But let's get into who stood out for you in particular. Chuku Davies, I'm going to come to you first. Who is your... Uh, Chuku. Chuku Davies. <laughs> Chuku Davies. Um, by the way, Jesse, who's sleeping on the top bunk? That's not the, that's the ceiling, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's not a... Pop- that looks like yeah. a bunk bed. <laughs> I want to say, count, count me in, man. Uh, I'm ready. I'm down for a sleepover. Uh, No, Joe Scally uh, gets gets the nod for me. I mean, the last nine games he's played, eight of them he's played 90 minutes. Um, So you're getting consistency from Joe Scally. He he had to play center back a couple times. He's played right back. Um, 
They just beat Stuttgart, obviously without a, a Girassi, the Stuttgart Stuttgart's not the same. But it for a, a Mucha Gladback team that's sitting in the middle of the Bundesliga tenth place, he's just been consistent. I, I think he's starting to show his qualities and and the Nations League I think was big for him replacing Dest in the final beating Canada and shutting down Alfonso Davies that time I think that was a huge challenge for him and he he rose to the occasion so I'm happy to see a right back in Europe one of the top leagues playing consistently yeah what's unfortunate well. unfortunate for him Chuku is that he is behind Dest and he's behind Anthony Robinson so it's just depth. Depth, then. yes. Give me Joe more depth, Scally. Okay, Jesse. Uh, apparently, you have more than one. We're gonna we're gonna allow it this week because you did some extra homework and research. But uh, who, who do you got for us? You got two, si, two picks. Andiamo a Italia, convenenza. <laughs> yeah, convenenza. I love Cinque it. Tre. Okay, tutto ah. bene. Wow, look at this guy. Um, yeah. yeah, it's crazy yeah. what it's, what uh, shopping at the grocery store. <laughs> the apps can do for you. I said, give me two Duolingo. tomatoes three zucchini. <laughs> <laughs> well, who are your two um, tomatoes this week? Well, I watched, I watched Venezia, <laughs> right? And, and, um, and I got to watch both Busio and Tessman. And so they had a, they're having a good season. They're in second place uh, right now in Serie B. So that, that's automatic promotion here in Italy. Um, you know, and I've caught a, a few games of them while I've been here. Nothing live. I, I hope at some point, maybe when they play Pisa to catch a catch a live match here. But first to talk about Gianluca Busio, he hasn't always started for him. But for me, this match, he was really, really good and the best player on the pitch. And I have to say that the, the level in general here at Serie B is is solid. Um, and often the games are a little bit more active than Serie A. Sometimes in Serie A, you get very tactical matches that are very defensive where one team really sits back and, and plays Catanaccio against the ball. And in Serie B, you see more active games. You see more open matches. You see more transition. And for me, yeah, more entertaining games. So, um, But Busio was everywhere. So they defended a little bit in a 4-4-2. And, then, and when they did that, they used both Busio and Tessman in the sixth role. And then when they would would have the ball, he would slide forward to an eight or a 10 roll and be showing up in the box late at certain moments. He was very clever on the ball. He he had a really strong work weight rate. He, he won a few tackles. Um, you know, they went up a man right before half and, and they went up 3-1. And then somehow Sampdoria fought their way back a man down to make it 3-3. And then a minute later is when Busio scored. So it wasn't just a goal. It was a mm. big goal in the match when, when the momentum was changing in the other direction. So thought he was fantastic. And then Tanner Tessman in, in general is, is a solid player. He sits deep in the midfield. He's a passer. He's a connector. He takes a lot of dead balls for them and he puts in a good ball on corner kicks and free kicks. But when he, when he, catches balls in the midfield. He plays pretty simple. Sometimes he'll play a, a big switch out to the winger for little 1v1 situations. Defensively, he's very responsible. He plays almost every match. I would like to see him be a little bit more intensive against the ball, more ball winnings, more tackles, more more duels, defending in his own box a little bit more. But in general, he's a positive for their team on every day. So um, yeah, I thought good performances for both. And certainly Busio, I thought, had a very good match. Would you take both of these guys, Busio and Tessman, because they're age eligible, to the Olympics, Jesse? Yes. If possible, I would take both of them. Um, I think it would be a big experience for them. I think they would be two of the better players in the group, in the age-eligible group. 
Um, yeah, and I, I think they would fit fit well in the team. And, and again, it would depend a little bit on if they're in Serie A, how does the club feel about it versus they're in Serie B and what does that look like? But right now it looks like they're performing well enough to to, to get the automatic promotion back. Yeah, and obviously – Go ahead. I think I think in both cases that they're going to be. I th- I would I would think in both cases that they'd be allowed to play because they're both. I mean they, the whole idea is to sell them, and so you put them in a in a good shop window. Maybe in the Serie B, Serie A case, if they're really important to the team to the setup, maybe one will not be able to leave. Um, but but I do see them being able to go because. It's just a and obviously getting to cut their teeth in a promotion chase is gonna put some hair on their chest. I didn't didn't have a better metaphor than put some hair (laughs) on the chest, but but it's gonna help them, you know, obviously learn how to deal with some significant pressure, especially if it gets really tight there towards the last month and they Mm -hmm. need some some big victories. So obviously, Busio scoring an important goal is a step in that right direction. I'm gonna keep it in Italy, everybody. My choice for Americans abroad this week is Weston McKinney. The guy has been unbelievable this season and what I really love is his consistency he's obviously shown us tons of glimpses of what he's capable of with the national team and at the club level but could he do it consistently week in and week out could he be trusted by his club week in and week out and he has shown that the last 16 games that he started for Juve they are unbeaten in those 16 he had two assists this past midweek or midweek is like Thursday against Frozenone I mean excellent excellent assists good vision good composure good ideas I love his his ability and his desire to want to get into the box and join the attack and maybe in times, at times, run in advance of the number nine to be a threat that can get in behind. That can open up space in different ways. And I know that we had this conversation a while back, Charlie, and I'm going to bring Jesse into this as well. But I had said that if Tyler Adams was healthy and we're going to put Gio Reyna centrally, there was going to be an odd man out in our midfield. Was it going to be Eunice Musa? Was it going to be Weston McKinney? And at times, I feel like if you wanted a little bit more mm-hmm discipline in that position and and there are times where Weston I think back to goal isn't isn't as good I think Eunice Miss is pretty good at maybe not even get caught back to goal but he, he's get good at breaking those lines and getting out of those situations obviously we know his his ability to to dribble out of trouble and Weston can do that too but I like when he's a little bit higher up the field and so I thought with Gio coming in that could be an issue but now what I'm seeing maybe Weston does have some room in that midfield because if you have Gio Weston and Tyler there, and obviously everybody's healthy and feeling good, which is obviously a big question mark given all three of those uh, at times. But but maybe that's the way forward. Maybe it's based on the opponent. But but I've been really impressed with Weston overall. He's been a fantastic uh, player this season for Juve. And Maxi Allegri's coming out. His manager at Juve is saying the same. So uh, it, it's just great for him to have proven that. But what are you saying? Are you saying a, a good old four four two? Are you saying a good old four five one to incorporate? Well, I, I think everyone? you leave like, you leave what? you leave Eunice Musa out at this system? point, and you go Reyna, McKinney, and out. Tyler Adams okay. so, again, assuming everything. So you leave you leave a player who is extremely gifted, and that no one has his qualities off the pitch for a player that isn't playing at all. Well, no, no, no. I, well, this is assuming Gio Reyna is is kind of back to being what we know Gio Reyna that, again th- this is all perfect world okay stuff and this is assuming Tyler Adams is going to be healthy too which again that's a big question mark as well because if Tyler isn't then Eunice Musa could slot there even though you know his instincts I don't think are proper six or more as an eight but but I just find it so hard to to think of a player like Eunice Musa I agree with you I'm a huge Eunice Musa fan. I'm just 
No matter, and, no matter what situation. Because that means we have a, uh, some awesome depth. Yeah, uh, Jesse, you've been kind of quiet over there. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so when we brought Weston McKinney to Leeds, it was the idea that defensively or against the ball, he was going to be a little bit deeper in an eight position. And then with the ball, we were going to push him up into the 10 spot. And and you could do, you know, something similar where maybe the way that, that Berhalter likes to play against the ball, like t- with two strikers almost pressing, that Gio Reyna would go and be part of the, the, the two with the striker. And then he would slip a little bit deeper into maybe a left eight or right eight or 10 or whatever. So, I mean, Weston, for me, has the flexibility to play a little bit deeper. And it's just encouraging the discipline to understand what to do and where. And when he can get that balance right, I think this is one of the beauties of, of Weston is his flexibility. And, and I saw it a lot when I was in Germany when he played for Schalke. I saw how he would play eight, six. He would play the wing back. He would play a second striker. He would play a lone number 10. He, he would play a lot of different positions, left, right. He has that flexibility. And it's partly because his instincts to play the game are really good. And it's just about refining his instincts in a particular role and then maximizing the potential of what you can get out of that. And, and, and at the same time, encouraging him to play with freedom and his quality and his creativity. So I think there's potential for him to do that. Um, Jesse, if you had a team sheet and you had to rank the midfielders in terms of no matter what the situation, no, like honestly, if, if you had a, you know, whether you're playing Brazil, France, or you're playing Argentina, Brazil, uh, Germany, you know, any of these countries in, in in the world top countries and you have a list of you know what i'm playing this player regardless of the situation formation we're going to play the tactics because i know they're co- they're competitors and you know like a player like west mckinney goes to juve allegri is like nah you don't fit my system lets him go on loan comes back but fights to get his place fights every week to be on the team sheet and now he's you can't see him not in the midfield for for Juve because Allegri's like yeah. I know what I can get from him and he's bringing it every single game. So in your mind, who are the midfielders that have well, to be on the I, pitch I, for, for me, the U.S. Who, like versus yeah, the ones question. that you like? I mean, for me, yeah. it would also depend on who's the opponent. Like, are you playing against a team where you're going to be against the ball and defending a lot and hoping to play in transition? Or are you playing against an opponent where you think you're going to have possession a lot? You need to break the opponent down. You need to have players in the midfield that are clever and can, can work in Netherlands. Yeah, if it's let's Netherlands, throw, throw Netherlands, for me, I'm starting with Tyler Adams. I'm starting with Weston McKenney and I'm starting with Musa. If it's, if it's against a team where you're, you feel like you're going to dominate the ball more, then I would start with, with Gio Reyna. So it would just depend a little bit on, on what you need on the given day. And, and certainly even against the best opponents, I think a role, you know, if you can really get Gio to understand his role and now bring him in with 30, 35 minutes left in the match where it's a little bit more open, he's got fresh legs and now he's able to yeah. impact the match that way. I think that's a great role for him. But obviously then if you can have him on from the start against opponents where you feel like we're going to have command of the game, we're going to be in control. We need somebody to break down the opponent. We need a, a clever guy who's going to put, find ways to create chances, score goals. Then that's Gio Reyna. So Having that flexibility with those four midfielders, I think, is the right way to go. And, by the way, if if it's me, I'm still probably trying to think about how to use all four of them at times as well together. 
And then how do you manipulate right. the what, what the roster is? Do you play? Mm-hmm. I know that Greg's tried Geo as a as a false nine sometimes, but but maybe you play sometimes with a four four two four two two, right? And then you find a way to use two strikers and put Polisic up top as a striker. Oh, let's bring it back, back to four Coming four back. two. Back let's go. Style. Why not? Bring, bring Why Charlie not? Davies bring off it the back. bench. Chuck That's Wayne. right. Juku Davies is back yes. in the squad. All right, we have some notable midweek fixtures. And speaking of Juventus, they take on Sassuolo. That will happen on Tuesday. That's on the Golasso Network. You should watch that. Then we get into some FA Cup stuff. Blackpool versus Nottingham Forest. Matt Turner, we'll see if he gets to start in this one. Ethan Horvath, maybe he gets it because it's a cup competition. That's happening on Wednesday. Bristol Rovers versus Norwich. Josh Sargent back in the house and healthy and starting. We'll see how he does. Valencia versus Celta Vigo. We'll see if Luca De La Torre can get some action there. PSV versus FC Twente in the Dutch Cup. That's happening on Wednesday as well. All right, we're going to take our next break. When we come back, we're talking some transfer stories and Gio Reyna's precarious situation at Borussia Dortmund. Don't go anywhere. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Call It What You Want. It's the January transfer window, so we're going to talk about some transfers. And I think the big one is less to do with one of our players leaving and more about their current situation because Jaden Sancho has returned to Borussia Dortmund and already had an assist off the bench against Darmstadt in Dortmund's big 3-1 win this past weekend. They look really dangerous, but unfortunately that means that Giorena is going to get probably even less time. But now he fired his agent. Brought in George E. Mendez or Jorge Mendez, a super agent, to solve this problem. And I just want to say this Sebastian Keel, the sporting director for Borussia Dortmund, was, had an appearance this past Sunday on Sky 90 and said this about Giorena Gio has had a difficult time and hasn't played much. It's not easy with the lineup we have in midfield. There's a lot of competitions for places in his position. I can understand that there might be a certain amount of dis- dis- dissatisfaction, but it's also important for him to step on the gas. I can't say at the moment whether he will stay. Oh yeah. boy. That that is the dreaded <laughs> vote of confidence if I ever heard it in my life. Because you're you're telling it's like you're telling me I gotta step on the gas. What do you think? I haven't been trying to step on the gas this whole time. Well, I, maybe he hasn't. It, I don't know. That's, a, that's an if, interesting phrasing of words. Not, he needs no, to step on the gas. That, that doesn't right, come from nowhere. But that's my point. It's it no it, it it it's almost as if he's saying we don't like his his body language or his attitude or he's not giving off like he's working a hundred percent and we all know if you're not playing and you feel like you deserve to play and you're giving it your you're giving it your absolute all that's when the frustration boils over so clearly he's been trying and pushing the pedal to the metal to get more playing time and it's worked against him because they figured you know what instead of looking for options off the bench that we already have, we're going to go bring in a player who, who is left, uh, you know, for, for, for nothing in the pastures of, of Manchester. And obviously he's a quality player, but when, when I love that, but when, when that happens, all of a sudden you're not going to, you're not going to see the field. It's, it's that simple. 
because Jaden Sancho is a game changer. And Jamie Bino Giddens is the player that I thought would never play over a, a, a Gio Reyna. And then you have Marco Royce, who's on the bench coming in for Julian Brandt. So not only do you have Royce, Sancho, Jaden Bino Giddens, uh, Brandt, you have uh, Yusuf Mokoko, who also plays yeah. as a nine, but you can yeah, play Adeyemi. him on the wing too. And and Daniel Milan, and then Adeyemi. So he is so far off the depth chart, which also means that Terzic, the coach, doesn't trust him, doesn't doesn't or want does, to play him. Well, they doesn't don't need to play him anymore. Win with right? him They've on got the, all these on the other field. options. I mean, you know, so for for Jimmy, th- this this term f- gas, full gas, this is like a German term they use, right? And and for me, what it means is they don't feel like he's training hard enough. They don't feel like he's earning it. Like he his desire and hunger to push himself every day is high yes. enough to push the others that are supposedly ahead of him right now. So. Yeah, I mean, all those things that you're talking about, Charlie, are, are becoming more and more apparent. And as we've talked on this show previously, it's probably time for him to seriously consider a transfer. And by the way, if you're going to consider a transfer at this moment of time, there's no agent better to hire than Georgie Mendez. So, you know, I know Georgie Mendez a little bit. So I don't know. We had one name drop uh, uh, episode. So I'm going back to that, <laughs> Jimmy, okay? And Georgie is a slick character. He's a, it's guest of food is his agency. He has tentacles all around the world that control so many clubs and so many situations. And this to me is a, is a signal that, that now Gio is and his people are seriously now considering what his best options are from here. So I I think we should, with this move, be thinking that there's most likely going to be a move here in January. And hopefully, like we've talked about in the past, to a, a team that is playing in Europe, to a team that's playing at a high level in, in in their respective league, and one where he has to compete to be on the pitch, but one where he has a real chance to to make an impact on a good on a good team. So Jesse, given your experience, Gio has less than 18 months left on his Dortmund contract. And and clearly, it's un, uh, it's unclear how his how his future is going to unfold. Do you feel like there's more urgency now from Dortmund because they're in that 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 time window where hey, if other, other yes. if we don't sell him now or maybe even in the summer, he could just stick it out and leave for free. Not that he would; I, it wouldn't be in his best interest. But but it just feels like there's probably urgency now on both sides to get something to happen, yeah. which means something probably will happen. Absolutely. Typically in Europe, when you're in that 18 to 12 month period is when now the signal is given to the club, are you are you ready to resign or are you thinking about new options? And the clubs usually start the conversations around the 18th month because if they can't get anything done by the 12th month, then that's a signal that we have to sell them or we lose them for free. So that we're right. I think Gio's in a good position for his career and for a negotiation and, and to be able to manipulate his situation to find the best situation possible for whatever club might be next. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, let's let's see. You know, Georgie has influences in certain clubs bigger than others, but obviously everywhere. Spain, obviously, is big. Portugal is big. Italy, he's big. And then with at least half the clubs in, in the Premier League, he has a, a lot of impact on decisions that get made. So um, let's see. I, I, it may be an indicator that that he's moving out of Germany and, and possibly to somewhere like Spain. I still can't get over Sebastian Kiel saying out of going out of his way to say, but it's also important for him to step on the gas. That is, that is a hell of a statement. It, it, yeah, that's a hell of a statement. That's a hell that. of a statement. That, that's, 
But that, as a player, I, nothing well, pisses that's, you off. That's clearly the reaction that they because want. Because we all know Gio's not walking around that. the pitch. I know that. I know. He, he I know. knows he wants to play. He's, he's pushing that. himself, and this guy's going to throw it's out there. It's an interesting hey, statement. You know what? It's he's going to show it statement. with desire. Get, get out of here. I, with that. I just find that a really uh, interesting <laughs> line to throw into your comments about a particular play. And whether it's Gio Reyna or anybody else, saying that yes. is really interesting. Your it's effort's really interesting. not there. Uh, Jesse, you brought this up before Real Sociedad, which obviously has been rumored to be going after Gio. A great spot, obviously. That young, started here. I'll call it what you want. Play. That started here. Would you, can, if you're, <laughs> it did. Would, would you, would you consider Benfica or Porto? Uh, would you Absolutely. consider a Copenhagen? Copenhagen? No, if I would not consider Copenhagen, Benfica or Porto. Absolutely. I think that league is very good and it plays very intensive mm-hmm. football. Um, I know the coach at at uh, Benfica, Roger Schmidt, and I think it, this would be a great fit, a great fit for for Gio. Um, but I would also think that Gio thinks that he's probably uh, better suited for a bigger league um, after his time in Germany. But you know, usually Benfica and Porto are playing in Champions League or at the very least Europa League. So, um, and again, if if he if if he if he's listening to this show and he's listening to what I think, I think Real Sociedad would be an amazing spot for him. I think that would be perfect. I think they would get a lot out of him. Um, their coach is fantastic. They play great football. They have a great team. Um, I think he would be a fantastic – it would be the best thing for him to be put in a situation like that. All right. Well, Gio Reyna joined Borussia Dortmund in 2019. He's made a total of 119 appearances and scored 17 goals and had 16 assists. We'll see – how many more he could add to that, or if he doesn't, goes somewhere else. Some other transfer news. Brandon Vasquez makes his move to Monterey and Liga MA Keys official. Reportedly, that uh, deal was for $7.5 million. That contains a $1 million in add-ons plus a sell-on clause. So pretty good business here from FC Cincinnati. They also sold, who was it, Brenner last year for $10 million. So uh, shout out to Chris Albright and Pat Noonan for uh, doing some good business over there. We'll see who they replace now. They've got a DP spot Open now. Nico Giochini from St. Louis. The expansion team has agreed terms with Como and Seri B, but now the two clubs hey. have to figure out how they're going to make that work before that happens. Sammy Vines is also the latest player to leave Europe for the Colorado Rapids. Now, Sammy Vines started his career with the Rapids. He signed a homegrown contract with them when he was 18, then left to Royal Antwerp, and now he is coming back. They're putting together a hell of a squad. Chris Armisen, everybody over there. Zach Steffen, Mihalovic, and now Sammy Vines. That is a pretty big deal. I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to go. You know, I still feel like Brighton would be a good spot for Gio. I just had to come back to that, by the way. Bright, I just think Bright, Brighton and the way that Deserby plays and yeah, how they have yeah, so many young yeah, players sure. to work his way into that lineup. But, yeah. Um, All right. Well, that's the end of this break. We're going to take – or this block, I should say. We're going to take our next break. And uh, should Greg Berhalter call up the reigning MLS MVP, Luciano Acosta? That is the big discussion that's happening right after this. So don't go anywhere. There was a little teaser in a Cincinnati kind of video that came out with you and the American flag. Is there any update on possibly, you know, a lot of the fans really want to know if there's an update of you maybe talking to Greg or anything like that. Um, playing for the USMNT. Thank you. Estamos eh, en proceso. Estamos eh, en proceso. Va de a poco. 
si, si bien tengo muchas ganas eh, de, de estar ahí, pero eh, hay que ir de a poco, hay que esperar, hay que darle todo a, a su tiempo y, y nada, con la tranquilidad de siempre. Qué difícil. No, no, we're, uh, we're in the process, um, little by little, but if it comes, you know, I would want to be there with the national team, but no, it's little by little and we have to wait and be patient. All right, so some interesting words there from Luciano Acosta. Feels very diplomatic in his answer. Only 29 years old, everyone. Uh, MLS MVP pulling the strings Turning for FC Cincinnati. Turning 30 in May, that, that makes it less sexy, but thank you for adding that in, Charlie yeah. Davies. Welcome back to Call It What You Want. I'm Jimmy with... <laughs> Chuku and Jesse, and we're uh, talking a little bit about a dual national who maybe we should consider for this particular national team. He's turning 30 in May. Maybe that's a little bit too old. Uh, Jesse, I'm going to come to you because I'm, I'm and, and then Chuck, of course, I want to get your thoughts and I'll, I'll add mine in as well. But would you even consider Nacosta at this point? Yes, I would. I, I think. Okay. Um, you know, he is obviously a little bit old, but he's per, he's obviously performed very well. He he fits into the idea of of some of the things that Berhalter likes to achieve when he's in possession. Um, the intensity at which he would be able to play uh, out of possession would be the biggest question mark. However, again, like think about now games at the highest level, and let's say you're in a a a, a real close match where you need a result in in a knockout round or in in the group phase, and you're playing against a good opponent. And maybe it's it's an even game, or maybe you need a goal, and and a, and a team is sitting a little bit deeper, and a player that can come in and, and unlock a team a little bit and play in one of these these uh, sort of ten eight roles and, and find a way to break a team down, make a play. He could potentially fit into that category. So um, you know, I I question overall whether he has the intensity to to perform at the highest level uh, in international matches. However, if you think he can fill a role for you and he's accepting of that kind of role and you think he fits within to the team, I think it's worth a consideration. I, I agree with you on that. There's something about him at this point in his career where I, he just seems like he'd be very appreciative of the opportunity to represent the U.S. Now, he's still working through the paperwork. I don't think he has his passport in hand just yet, but assuming he becomes eligible, I like that role for him. And, and I think the main point that I took away from what you just said, Jesse, is will he accept that role? And I just feel like he would be coming into this place, especially at this point in his career, where it's a little bit more behind them than in front of him, to just be like, hey, I'll, I, I just want to play, and, and I'll do whatever you want to say. And, and to have his type of experience on the bench, knowing that he could help us in different situations, is very interesting because I do think that having a crafty number 10 could unlock some of the potential of some of our players that are, would be above him uh, in particular. I mean, I would love to kind of see Acosta with Balogun and Pulisic and Way on the other side and seeing what they could come up with. So so that that excites me in, in, a, in a good way. Uh, Chuck, what about you? Yeah, it's like a, having a, a joker. You know, he, he, he's a type of player that we don't have. I mean, think of the goals that he's scoring in MLS, you know, the chips from outside the box, and he's just super creative why wouldn't you welcome that into the national team, especially if there's a lack there of that type of player? So um, again, Jesse was spot on with the defensive part of the game, the counter press, the pressing, uh, the defensive responsibility, maybe for the international level, not there. Um, who's, who's to say maybe if he plays with the U S he has to do that. And 
maybe he focuses more on that than just, you know, I guess like finding the spots around the pitch that that are open for transition. Cause you, you know, he's, he's very good at when Cincinnati don't have the ball, he's not defending, but he's really looking for those areas where, okay, if the ball pops up and we get in possession of it, I'm going to be the first outlet. I'll be in a, a spot where I can just now attack. And so, um, it'll be curious to see, I'll be curious to see, uh, if, if he does get that citizenship, uh, does Greg turn to him as, as an option, but it can't hurt to have him be on the bench and, and, and be uh, in a position where, where if you're playing an inferior opponent, he can start the game. Cause you're going to have most of the possession. And if a team's sitting in a low block, you want those creative players on the pitch. Well, I'm going to bring up a name from the past that most likely will resonate with Jesse the most. Cause he's the oldest here, <laughs> but Precky, I played with Precky in MLS and, and, not to say they were completely like for like, but he didn't defend either. Precky never defended. We didn't want him to defend. I didn't want Precky wasting any of his energy doing any type of defending. But to your point, Chuck, I thought he did an excellent job of when we were in transition and we needed somebody that wanted the ball in a tough spot. He was always available. And you can't always say that for a lot of players out there, that they always want the ball in any situation. And not only that, Precky would would welcome the, the, the pressure because then he would just dice you up with his famous cuts and, and then all of a sudden... You're, you're now scrambling as a defense, and it was fun to watch. He got MLS MVP my first year with Kansas City, and I'm sure he cut up uh, Jesse a couple of times. He did it to me. In training. In training. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Can I add something about Precky as a coach? Precky? Pre- I played for Precky for three years, and I enjoyed playing for Precky, okay? But he only talked about defensive shape and responsibility and almost never about anything attacking. And Isn't I that crazy, to, given that he I would only say, attacked? I would say to him, hey, yeah. like, teach him the precky cut. Like, teach our attacking players, you know, how to <laughs> how to be crafty in the final third. You go, no, 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 defensive responsibility, structure, against the ball, make sure we're organized. <laughs> that's amazing that that's how he coaches when he never played like that. Yeah, I mean, I he clearly has an incredible brain for the game. He was thinking, let me stay in this job as long as possible. Sasha Victorini came to our team when he, cause he had played with him in Kansas city and he came to Chivas USA and he goes, I don't understand why we only defend here. Precky never defended when I played with him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess what I, I bring up Precky because you wouldn't play a Precky. If we look at our Copa America group, I wouldn't play a Precky against Uruguay. At least I wouldn't start him. And, and but against a Panama, potentially even a Bolivia, that's where I think you could throw a Preki out there because you are going to have more of the ball, Jesse. And I'll, I'll let you or Brazil where he scored right when they. That's when true they, when Preki came on and and he scored right. So, yeah, so, so that's that's the role. That's the role is somebody who can come on and make a difference and make a play when you need it most. And so. You know, I mean, even this is why I was talking about Gio in that position in some of these kinds of matches. If he can come on a match and obviously Gio's younger and more dynamic and at the moment more quality and everything else. But, um, you know, having the idea of ha- this is what a national team has to be for me is you have to you have to have a way of playing and, an, and a philosophy of what you think you want to become. But you also have to use all the tools you have available from a player pool perspective and understand how each of those fit into what kind of games you might be in and how to give your chance, uh, uh, give yourself the best chance of success in whatever tournament against whatever opponent you're playing. So 
there's room for me for these different kinds of players. And you just have to make sure that they're willing to accept that role, that they that they understand exactly what that role is, and that they're ready when they're called upon, especially against the best opponents. So yeah, that would that would again be be Lucho Costa for me. Is 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 can he accept it? Can he understand it? And can he execute and make a difference in the matches that you need him to? To build off of what you said there, Jesse, is Timothy Weah playing now a right wing back spot and Christian Pulisic playing on the right side instead of the left where, where he's playing at Milan and, and thriving because he can now go to the end line and he's not forced to come inside always to his strong right foot, which then midfielder's defense collapses on him and all of a sudden that space is gone. I feel like he's he's found a way to create more space for himself on the right side. Um, but again, just being tactically flexible and having all these different options the more the better and especially in, in the creative standpoint because you don't have too many of those types of players so um it, it would be it would be great to see him get a citizenship and then call up yeah i think what i w- would add to this is that when we talk about the u.s men's national team player pool it's always about the next big thing we're, we're always not just us but everybody there's just this this thirst and desire to, well this player's gonna do this we're we're looking at the potential and obviously we have players that have risen to that potential and even surpassed it in some cases. But when you have an Acosta, instead of saying, well, I hope that this player plays well, you got a player that you know can play well, has proven it. And we have the avid evidence. And we know what they're capable of in so many different situations. So I think he'd be a really interesting add to the player pool. And if he does get his passport, I hope that Greg Berhalter and his staff consider him. All right, we're going to take our last break of Call It What You Want. When we come back, we're going to give you our predictions for the USA-Slovenia game that's kicking off this Saturday. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the stretch run. The last segments of Call It What You Want. I'm Jimmy alongside Chuku and Jesse. Going to stay with that nickname. See how long it sticks. Maybe just this show, Chuck. And we're going to get into our predictions for this U.S. Men's National Team game versus Slovenia. It is a friendly with a lot of up-and-coming players that uh, our coaching staff gets to take a look at. So some meaningful minutes for everybody in this camp. But before we get there, I do want to clarify that... uh, Fabrizio Romano maybe had jumped the gun on this news about Nico Giacchini um, leaving St. Louis to go to Como in Italy. And we just wanted to get that out there as a clarification that that it's still a rumor at this point that there's no official offer from Como to St. Louis. And that's still in the works. So we'll obviously keep everybody uh, up to date. The January transfer window still has what? Looking at my watch. We've got, what, two or two and a half weeks, two weeks. So so plenty of time to get something uh, over the line. But that would be a pretty interesting move for him in particular. But let's get into the predictions. And uh, Chuku, I'm coming to you first. How do you think this game is going to play out? And what is the score going to be? I think it's it's going to be back and forth. I, I don't think it's going to be a clean game. There's not going to be a team that just dominates possession. I'm going to say the because US they're probably bringing a team won. that's very similar, right? Just to give everybody yeah. context, they're probably bringing a, 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 you know, camp of, or it'll or, be interesting yeah. to see if Jesse's player, uh, former player uh, Sheshko, gets gets is able to come because he's not getting the playing time at Leipzig. So maybe he gets called in. You think or 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 no? He's no chance. Be staying. He's been no playing. Chance. He's been playing fairly. He's been playing at Leipzig a bit. By the way, Benji Sheshko is an incredible player. What a talent. What a talent. So, yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. The U.S. wins. Okay, okay. Now, last time this game happened, the last January camp, we, we played against Serbia, and we lost that one 
And it felt very similar, right? A kind of a mixed bag of, of players from both sides in terms of uh, experience and, and age. How about you, Jesse? What are you saying for this game? Well, first, I want to acknowledge Maciej Kek, the, the, the coach for Slovenia. He was also the coach in 2010 when we played them uh, in South Africa in the World Cup. And, and oh, wow. he, he's a really good coach. Uh, he's been in Slovenia almost his whole life and his whole career, really well respected in that country. Um, I've even, when I, when I had Benji Sheshko, I spoke to him about him because I, I really liked what he did with that team and, and what a game we had in the 2010 World Cup against Slovenia. Incredible. Um, but yes, yeah, I yeah, mean, probably. they fouled us five times and they called Mo for a foul. You know, we were down <laughs> two, two nil at half with our backs against the wall. Um, but, you know, Slovenia has um, uh, uh, has developed now more and more high-level players. We talked about Benji Sheshko, who's at Leipzig. He was with Liefering, but he made his professional debut with me at Salzburg. Um, an incredible talent. He's been compared a lot to uh, to Erling Holland, and he's he's big like him and strong and fast, but, but a different kind of player. Um, you know, and I think Slovenia will bring a domestic team, a team full of players that, that – play in their domestic league, but still it'll be a, it'll be a competitive team, not as good as the Serbian team, probably most likely. Uh, and I expect the U S to, to field a, a, a good team to have a good performance. And I would expect them to, to win two nil in this one. So um, it'll be exciting. I think to watch the match and then have a recap where after the match, we'll, we'll us three will sit together and kind of give our opinions of what we, what we just saw, but, but I expect the team to perform well um, at this moment. Shameless plug alert. I love it, Jesse. You should be hosting. And, uh, you know, it's saying that we're going to have, yes, a very special reaction podcast and show right after that game ends. So make sure you come and join us and hit subscribe to make that happen. I'm going to say 2-1 to the U.S. I do think that uh, sometimes when you, when, you, when you give up a goal, you get tested in a different way. Maybe we go down one. I wouldn't mind seeing what, how our team reacts to that. I'm all about positive reactions to uh, – Things that might not go your way. I love way. your positivity, That's, that's what I'm working Jimmy. on over here. The, le- the, yes, le- the left back for Slovenia I- in that World Cup was my teammate, so show. Bojan Jokic. And, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. I had a, another teammate, Riyad Budabuz, who was on Algeria. And they talked so much trash to me before that World Cup. <laughs> and after, I was like, What'd you, what do you guys got to say now? They're like, all right, yeah, you, US was, you guys are all right. You guys are pretty good. <clears throat> that's good that's the respect that we're looking yeah. for i love it that's positive too charlie and i appreciate that all right everybody we're gonna call it a show thank you so much for listening and watching as always again make sure you join us right after that game against slovenia to get uh our opinions on how that game unfolded and player performance and coaching staff performance and everything else that goes along with it make sure to follow call it what you want wherever you get your podcast and take a few seconds to leave us a rating and if you're on apple Podcasts, a review we'd really appreciate it and catch us on the CBS Sports Golasso Network. And we'll see you soon. Good luck, boys. Go get them against Slovenia.